Hello and welcome to another Amblecote Christian Centre podcast. Um, today's podcast is linked to our Made for Love series and we're going to be talking about sex before marriage. Why does it matter? So Tim, I thought it'd be good to kick us off. Uh, I'm here with Tim Murray. Hey. And uh, I thought it'd be great if you just, for those who maybe, this might even be their first time listening to our podcast, Yeah. Uh, what's, what's this Made for Love all about? Yeah, sex before marriage is something that a lot of people know that Christians have an opinion about but aren't sure why. Um, so uh, we have, in the autumn, we did our Made for Love series and um, rather than spend loads of time talking about all the things Christians have controversial views on, we try to talk about uh, what the vision for relationships is uh, in the Bible and in God's economy. So how does God want us to live? What are the sort of relationships that he wants us to have? Uh, so we preached through those in the autumn. We touched on marriage. Uh, sex, parent, parenting, parenting. What else did we do? Singleness. Singleness. Was there anything else? There probably was. I think there was They've one gone. more as well. <laughs> um, so we did that. Um, and then what we've been trying to do since is do a load of podcasts to follow up on all the questions that spin off from that. Um, and we've mixed kind of real personal experience ones with more sort of theological teaching ones. Um, and it's just come round to this topic, really, mm. one that always comes up in conversation with people, sex before marriage. So that's how we got here. And that's great. So yeah. I guess probably the we, we this will probably be about 30 minutes. We normally try maybe yeah. 25, 30 minutes. What we'll try and do probably is the first sort of half, if not third, maybe will be sort of more the theology, more the yeah. biblical teaching, and then we'll maybe pick up on some of the, the challenges or the questions that people might have. Uh, and also we will touch into some of the personal um, challenges or pastoral issues around this. We remember that this is a, a deeply personal issue for many. Yeah. And uh, and so if if you sort of think we're being a bit harsh in the, the start point, you know, stick around and uh, and we will get to the sort of personal impact of, uh, yeah. of this whole topic and the reason we start with the biblical stuff is just for clarity more yeah. than anything else you know people do often say what where in the bible does it say dot 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 you know about sex before marriage and so we just want to start with that to try and be really clear hopefully you'll find that helpful uh, so tim i think you're going to start with a couple of texts that really establish some baselines of what marriage and sex is all about so why don't you do that mate? yeah i think a good place to start really with with sex and the whole um what what the, how the bible sees sex and, and its place really is to look at what's probably been talked about as like the overall sort of flow of the topic through the bible yeah so i think you know you, you want to start at the start to some degree and uh, in genesis 2 um, got written here it says therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh so right at the start of genesis we have this establishing really of as a sex being part of marriage and being about two people becoming one um, so that sort of is, is established very early on that sex brings two people to become one flesh and um, so that, that kind of holding fast word there um, talks about being joined or, or to cling or to stay close. So it's about two people becoming one and holding to each other and staying close to one another. So that's sort of right at the start and then, but you know, you, you might want to say, well, that's great, it's Old Testament or whatever. So where's that? It's picked up in many, you know, sort of other places, but a key is obviously what Jesus has to say about that. And he quotes uh, this verse in Matthew 19. 
uh, and talking about divorce and, and that whole topic. However, he sort of affirms this position really yeah. that um, yeah. that a, a man leaves his father and mother, holds to his wife, and then the two become one flesh. And then he sort of um, says that they're no longer two, but one. Uh, and then adds that famous verse that many of us will know. Therefore, what God has, who, yeah, therefore God has joined together. Let not man separate. Yeah, you probably heard that in a wedding ceremony if you've been to one. I'd yeah. imagine many of us will. And uh, and then again, you know, we follow it through, don't we, to to Paul's writings. And uh, and again, he quotes this around um, sort of some of the immorality happening in Corinth. In Corinth. Uh, but again affirms the two will become one flesh. So I think the first theological point or biblical thing that we have to consider when thinking about anything to do with sex is sex is about two people becoming one to the point where Jesus says, actually, they're no longer two, they are one, which is quite a big statement really when we consider the importance of sex and what it's all about. So if we sort of build our theology on that, then hey, we if you just think sort of logically about that to its conclusions, really, that if sex is about two people becoming one, that is envisaged as a sort of permanent process um, apart from death. Mm-hmm. Say uh, Genesis, Jesus, Paul, all envisage that two becoming one as something that sh- should be ideally uh, a covenant that is stayed in as a lifelong thing, mm-hmm. and. Um, so that is why automatically hopefully you start to see why sex is reserved for marriage because um, if you're having sex with someone you're not married to then you're starting a journey of becoming one with that person and the label that we give to a journey for becoming one with a person is marriage if you like so hopefully that sort of ties those ideas together it's just going to say it's probably worth saying there are many times when that goes wrong and things yeah don't happen in, in the way that you know God intends but we'll come to some of that towards the end of the podcast so hold tight if you're thinking you know you're not in that position or whatever yeah uh, the next sort of verses from the Bible we want to talk about are from chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians because there are always some who have sort of said to me uh, but Tim is there any clear really clear text in the Bible that sex before or outside of marriage is wrong and I would say that this is the clearest text so Uh, I think the theology is compelling in itself, but if you really wanted something clear to kind of hang your hat on, then in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is talking to the church about the situation of sexual immorality. So what was happening really briefly is that the wives thought that they had entered some sort of super spiritual stage so that they didn't have to have sex with their husbands anymore. And the husbands had also thought that that was fine. They're in a super spiritual stage. It doesn't really matter what they did with their bodies. So they were going to sleep with prostitutes instead. And this is a kind of crazy context Paul was speaking into. But he starts to teach about sexual temptation and marriage and our behaviour. And in verse 2 of chapter 7, Paul says, Because of the temptation to porneia, sexual immorality, which we'll, we'll talk about that word in a yeah, few minutes, won't we, mate? But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Now, if you think about that, that makes it very clear that for Paul, the only legitimate resolution of your sexual desires 
is a wife or a husband. He doesn't give you any other alternatives. And he makes that really clear in verses eight and nine later on. He says, you know, to the unmarried or to widows, I say it's good for them to remain single as I am. So he's not saying kind of everyone has to get married. But then he says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, then they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. And then in verse 36 again, if anyone thinks he's not behaving properly towards his betrothed, we won't go into why you'd be betrothed and not married at this point, but if anyone's not behaving properly, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, then let him do as he wishes and let them marry. It's no sin. So in each of those verses, he gives a very clear example to say, if you have sexual desires, then the only legitimate option he gives you is marriage. He, do, he doesn't give any other option for satisfying those desires. And so for, from my perspective, that is crystal clear, really. Yeah. Um, a crystal clear passage um, where, where, where sex is designed to be just in marriage. So um, there's more than that. But if you want to hang your hat on something, have something explicit, there it is. Um, and this idea of porneia, like avoiding porneia, just comes up again and again uh, in Acts, in 1 Thessalonians. Um, so the, the whole concept is well embedded in the rest of the Bible as well. So that's, yeah, that's helpful, really helpful. So, I think yeah. it's, it'd be good for us to pick up this whole idea of sexual immorality, really, because it's fair to say, I think it comes up fairly often. Yeah. And um, we'll come to that in a bit, you know, why are Christians sort of talking about these things all the time? But as you go through the Bible, you do see... Um, particularly, you know, look into the, the New Testament, it's kind of like, you know, abstain from sexual immorality, you know, that coming up again and again. However, we have this word, which you've said, which yeah. you pronounce... Porneia. Porneia, we'll go with that. Uh, and I've heard it said, yeah, 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 that's great, abstain from sexual immorality, but actually porneia isn't to do with, you know, a loving, committed relationship, you know, outside of marriage, but they're, they're together, they're committed to one another, they're they go, you know, actually it's not to do with that, it's to do with sort of illicit sexual intercourse or or perhaps, you know, even, you know, sex with animals or, or relatives yeah. or that kind yeah. of thing. So in, in some ways, if we take that view, we can kind of push aside all of those, those yeah, verses yeah. that talk about sexual right. immorality yeah. and sort of carry on. Yeah. Tim, t- tell us what, what would you yeah. take from Pornia? So I think if, if that was perhaps a view you were considering, I, I think you've still got a problem explaining 1 Corinthians 7. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Pornia, what does Pornia really mean? Is, is it just kind of quote-unquote bad sex yeah. and there's a good sex that's okay? And um, if we want to understand the Bible, just one general rule that we need to apply is we need to understand what they meant by the words they used so we can understand what they were saying. If you know, if if you, if I just decide what that word means, I can basically make the Bible mean whatever I want. So the key question is, what did Pornea mean yeah. to Jesus and to Paul and to the people they spoke to? When Paul said, don't engage in Pornea, what would everybody have understood? And the the evidence that I'm aware of um, in studies all the kind of use of this word in the Greek text and all of that sort of thing is that porneia was a catch-all phrase to cover all kinds of wrong uh, sexual behaviour and that included sex with someone you weren't married to um, so you could be you could be stoned for porneia 
if you were a virgin who got pregnant. That's the threat to Mary at the beginning of, of uh, yeah. Matthew's Gospel, yeah. that you know, Joseph's going to divorce her quietly because if she was found to be pregnant while she was technically a virgin, that would be porneo, and that would be kind of punishable, if you like. So um, there's plenty of examples in our text of porneo referring explicitly to sex before marriage. and um, So... So though I don't think you can sort of redefine porneia, um, just use the term sexual immorality and then us decide what sexual immorality is and then decide we're not doing it. We have to say, what did they think sexual immorality was? And pretty clearly they thought that sexual immorality included, uh, although it was not limited to, kind of sex outside of marriage. So, and when you think about it, that's actually essential to do, isn't it? Otherwise, sexual immorality will change in terms of cultural's view of what sexual immorality is. It has. It changes all the time, doesn't if, it? If you're in the Roman world, then marrying a, a girl at the age of 12 was normal. Yeah. Like now, we'd consider that like totally abhorrent. We'd yeah. say that's massively sexually immoral. Back then, it was normal. So, so culture changes, yeah, so yeah. our take on what is sexually moral and immoral, yeah. culturally, except for God, will change. Yeah. And yet, I suppose, you've got these, uh, you've got scripture held in a specific time in history where it would have meant a specific thing yeah. that we believe is the authoritative word of God teaching us today. That's right, absolutely. And I guess that's why, in many ways, much of this teaching is held consistent yeah. across you know, thousands of years, ultimately. And it's probably worth saying that, that Christian denominations in the past who have um, accepted kind of sex outside of marriage or forms of sexual behaviour that we don't, haven't then sought to justify that based on the Bible. Okay. They've used different arguments to say, well, actually, we don't really use the Bible as authoritative in regard to these issues anymore. So... That's worth noticing as well, really, that kind of when people are focused on submitting to the authority of the Bible, they always come up with the same answers in the realm of sexual behaviour, really. That's really helpful, Tim. Hopefully that's cleared up some of those yeah. kind of questions. I hope so. I hope that's clear for people. So theology-wise then, Tim, are you kind of, because you touched on some texts about tea becoming one. Yeah. I just wonder if there's, at this point, again, anything else to say uh, about that theology really so you're giving people some biblical text but it help us to just think through theologically kind of if we want to become one with someone uh, how do we need to think about sex in that context you know I think I think all I, I'd kind of add in there to what we've already said is thinking about what what is sex yeah. What is it there for? What yeah. What is it? And I think... Is it for my pleasure? Is it for... Yeah, exactly. And I think really, um, I think it is a gift. Yeah. You know, it is a good... We, we've talked about this. You talked about this fairly recently with your podcast with Joe, that we can sometimes have a bad view of sex in the church and, and yeah. we don't want to encourage that, obviously. That's the risk of doing this podcast, yeah. isn't it? That we sex all think becomes sex, taboo again. Yeah, we yeah. don't want it to be taboo. Sex yeah. is a wonderful gift. Um, but we believe it's given by God to marriage, really, that it is. Mar marriage is gift, and when we take it outside of that, actually, we take a gift of God and we use it in a way that isn't what it was originally intended for. We have the whole becoming one thing, we become one with many different people, which we can come on to some of the complications there. And then I suppose the other thing we haven't talked about is children. Yeah. Sex is quite important for uh, <laughs> yeah. for procreation. 
yeah. and and within the original sort of mandate given to to mankind to That's go right. and to and um, yeah to populate the world yeah uh, and obviously sex outside of, of marriage um, results in children being born outside of a, families a family unit yeah yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, just uh, sort of the only thing I'd add on there in the theology is we we talked about this when we preached, but um, part of God's design for our relationships was that children grow up in the safety of the covenant of a marriage, of a lifelong commitment, that they see the image of God reflected through male and female, um, and ag- again, kind of all of that. If you think it through to its logical conclusions, means that you have to reserve sex for marriage because if. God was to say, oh, my design for children is that they grow up inside the covenant of marriage with a male and a female who can reflect my image to them. But sex outside of marriage is fine. It would make no sense at all because the two kind of... Again, I think we forget that most of human history has not been a history of contraception. You know, like 2,000 years ago, you couldn't have sex before marriage and not conceive yeah now we can so again we sometimes that molds our sexual ethics but but in you know it wasn't so easy <laughs> during in the day yeah so before we get to the questions should we recap that so and and what what impact do you see so what, yeah. what do you see to as this sort is, of the impact of if there's a, my burden to talk i hope yeah. you've been clean on their theology but my burden in this podcast is to really try and push some of this impact of sex before marriage yeah. for people really I, I think kind of in my role I, I've worked with a huge number of people um, he, with sort of complicated sexual mm. histories maybe and um, and, it, and it just strikes me how, how how the impact of sex outside of marriage really and the first one I'd want to talk about is that it's just far less safe mm. and I don't mean safe in terms of STDs or um, kind of getting pregnant although that is true but what I mean is the emotional vulnerability of sex. Yeah. Like, you know, when you stand <coughs> n- naked in front of another person and you're in that intense intimacy of sex, like everything is there, like all your identity and emotion and history and like, you know, we talked about, we've talked about that a lot with regard to mm. sex in marriage. And the only way that's safe is if I know the other person is totally committed to me in an unconditional way, which is what marriage is. And if we have sex before marriage, we kind of expose ourselves and all our vulnerability to someone who hasn't actually committed to us um, and and provide that level of safety. And um, just as a a little side point you sort of hear these stories all the time of um, women who have had to kind of model topless or that kind of thing or actresses you might have read the interview with the Game of Thrones actress I don't know her name but the main character she obviously had to do a lot of sex scenes in that first couple of series of of Game of Thrones and she did an interview where she said kind of basically that had a massive impact on her and she will not do now what she used to do then and we can get so numb to it in our culture, but the reality is sexual vulnerability is so such a big deal for us that we need the safety of marriage to yeah. really express that, I think. So true. Um, yeah, I guess I, I just put a point on my sheet. I was trying to wonder what I meant, but I realised we always <laughs> talk about sex being less effective. I think that just means if sex is about two becoming one, the more people I have sex with, the less well that works when I 
find someone that I actually marry. Um, so many people who marry, who have had a lot of sex before marriage, um, it's often quite a journey for sex to take the right place in their marriage that it should. Someone once described it to me as sex is a little bit like a sticky note. And the more times you use it, the less sticky it becomes. It's meant to stick you to your life partner. But if you keep using it all the time, it sort of has less stick. Um, and I think that's true. Um, yeah. And, and the final one is just, I guess sometimes when you're in the moment with your boyfriend or girlfriend, marriage isn't even on your horizon, that's in the distant future. You know, you're just thinking about the moment normally, aren't you? Um, but the truth is that what we do with our sexual behaviour will affect our eventual marriage, even if that's kind of 10, 15 years in the future, say. Um, sex becomes more complicated emotionally. Um, you know, as a simple example, I know of many people who have had sex before marriage and then got married. I don't know a single one who says, yeah, it was a really good idea that we had sex before marriage. We're really glad we did that. I also don't know anybody who saves sex for marriage and then says, oh, I really wish we'd have had sex before marriage. It's such a shame that we saved it. So I think that's my burden to try and get, and that's not meant to condemn anyone. Yeah, I know we're going to yeah. come on to challenges yeah. now, but, but it is worth living in line with God's yeah. intentions. You know, it's for our good and, yeah. and the good of yeah, others really. So. so let's talk a bit about that. I guess the risk that we've posed in the last 20 minutes is that people could be sat there thinking, oh my word. I've already done that. I've done yeah. that many times. Or yeah. or even perhaps there are those you know listening who aren't Christians or relatively new Christians and this just seems a million miles away from their experience. Absolutely. Or yeah. even there's those that maybe have been Christians for a long time. We sort of know... We know this, we go, yeah, 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 but actually we still have these questions going around in our head where we think, oh yeah, but that person said this question and that's really challenged. Do I really believe that? So, you know, let's get into some of the, how yeah. does this land? And to reiterate what we've said throughout the series, we don't stand and judge. No. Uh, we are in the mess as much as anybody else is in the mess. We were clear yeah. on that right from the outset. Um, but that still doesn't sort of take away from God's good plan for mankind and what he wants for us. Yeah. So we're with you. Yeah. We're in it. And maybe it's worth saying, like, we're we're actually with you in this one. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll hold my hand up and say, I've got sexual behaviour on my record before yeah. marriage. And, um, you know, that's done me some damage. Yeah. And, it's, and it's had an impact on my marriage. So yeah. this isn't a podcast from a position of, you know, purity and no failure, if anything kind of we care because I've felt some of the impacts so you know, true. And, and would want to spare others from yeah, that. Definitely. Well, have you got any thoughts to start us off then, mate? So like you say, for those who, yeah. you know, this feels like a different world and have maybe had years of a different sexual ethic, kind of, is it all over? Is all lost? Is this kind of, yeah. you know, are they just failures forever and there's no way back? Not at all. Um, I think I think I heard one story once where... Um, a preacher was saying that he went to a conference and it was sort of in the days of um, some of the American sort of high moral teaching, you know what I mean? And this sort of like the no, um, what would you call it? You had like the silver ring Yeah, thing. the promise keepers. Promise keepers, yeah, all yeah. this kind of, there's a big yeah. wave of this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, some of that was helpful. Some of it I think was, was damaging. But, um, and he, this 
person on the stage passed round a rose, makes me cry thinking about it, but in the audience, and they all held this rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was talking about sort of, you know, having sex and all of this kind of stuff. And, he's, and, and he got the rose at the end, and his punchline was basically like, look at this rose, it was beautiful, now it's totally damaged and destroyed, who wants this rose? Nobody wants this rose. And, and his kind of point was, if you go around and you have sex like this, nobody will want you. And this preacher was sat in the audience and said, Jesus wants that rose. Yeah. Jesus wants yeah. to take that, that, yeah. that, that rose and restore it. So, you know, with, it's a real strong balance between the moral teaching of what God wants and yet him coming to us in our broken state, in all of our mess, all of our brokenness, all of our lack and wanting us to come to him, you know. Yeah. So I think I would just say to anyone who's listening to this or, or experienced things like this, and if you think this counts you out of the gospel of Jesus, listen to the words of the gospel of Jesus and realise if you want in, he wants you in, yeah. you know. In many ways, this counts you in. Yes, this is a qualification, you know. Yeah. Jesus only welcomes sinners yeah. uh, and those who recognise themselves as sinners. And, and yeah. so... You know, I just say that with all of my heart, really, just to say, because of some damaging Christian teaching, we can sometimes think that we're disqualified, yeah. whereas actually the gospel is for those who are unwell, those who recognise their lack, to be drawn to him. And God can redeem yeah. all things in all situations. So another thing you might have felt is, well, now I've had sex, maybe just once, maybe lots of times, I don't know. If I get married like I've already kind of ruined some of that maybe and and I'd say again like no like for sure it will have an impact because sin does but Jesus can redeem that he can redeem your story he can always you know no matter what our sexual history has been our future can be sex as God designed it and and there is nothing beyond his ability to restore say again kind of we would have hope for anyone including ourselves <laughs> that no matter our history our future can be redeemed and and um yeah like and that you know when you think oh i've ruined this forever that is just never true in the in the kingdom of god is yeah. it you know yeah. what would you say i suppose if somebody's been in that position you know well yeah. where do you turn do you yeah. you know what 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 do we do if we're in that position now as in currently having sex but not married or let's go let's go for maybe it's in your history uh, and and you feel ashamed maybe you're not sure what to do with that where 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 do you go with that yeah um it's like really simple you confess it and then you repent and then jesus forgives you and starts to heal you from that from that moment on say uh, to confess our sins is something that we can feel really embarrassed about but it brings massive freedom yeah. say so if you've had sex before and outside of marriage maybe you've never realised that was wrong until this podcast or maybe you've always known you just feel really guilty find a Christian who you trust just tell him yeah. confess to God and confess to another person who you trust and say this is me or has been me or whatever um, and then repent say stop doing it like that that's really what repent means is change your behavior and um, to do what god says rather than what you've what what we might naturally do on our own and that's what you'd say to someone who's maybe currently in that position there'll be those yeah. in our church family won't there if we're honest yeah. there'll be those listening to this who are currently engaging in regular or you know sexual practice outside of yeah. marriage what would you say confess yeah repent stop doing it um 
you know, it's not like I, I know sometimes that sex can be when we touch on this on sex can be seen as a worse sin than other sins. Um, on one level, it does involve other people, so it does have more consequences than other sins. Yeah. But it doesn't make you any worse a sinner than someone who's you know got a bit cross at their neighbour. Like sin is sin, the consequences can be different, and sometimes our kind of culpability can be different. But whatever the sin is, the answer is always confess it and repent. And as we do that, it's just the best thing ever about being a Christian is we get forgiven. You know, in what in how else do we find forgiveness? But as Christians, we can be forgiven, and then live a different kind of life. And and it is possible, like if you think, oh well, I've been having sex for ten years, I'll never change. Well, I know many who have. Yeah. Like it is possible, and God, if we give ourselves up to God, then He can do things that are way beyond our own ability. You know, it's a, it's a D. So you got me on one Tim. No, that's good. I think the only thing I'll add to that is just um, don't sacrifice the long term for the short term. Yeah. You know yeah. Um, what God has for um, marriage, um, if that is the path that God has. You know, we talked about singleness. So there'll be yeah. those out there who are, are living that and um, and called to that and walking that out, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, and we'll talk about, you know, sex not being everything, which we've yeah. touched on before. But I think for those who are in a relationship who see it moving towards marriage, my, you know, sort of plea would be don't sacrifice what God could have in the long term, which could be good and, and just amazing yeah. for short term. You know, it's 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 a bad it's a bad exchange ultimately. Yeah. Can can we talk a little bit about those who are maybe in loving, committed relationships? Yeah. <clears throat> maybe there's this sense that yeah, we we're definitely going to get married, or um, you know, this is really serious, or we're in love, or whatever. Yeah. Well, surely it's okay as long as there's some sort of commitment to a long-term relationship. Why does it really matter? Yeah. if they're married or not yeah I'm glad you brought this up because actually that's the other possible thing to do if you're having currently having sex with someone yeah then potentially confess repent and then just get married as quickly as possible like that could be the right yeah. answer yeah. Uh, depending on kind of the nature of the relationship really so um, the thing is we sometimes have a weird view of marriage that marriage is about having to have a year to plan a wedding you yeah. know and, and uh, well why do you get married wow we can't afford it well, what do you mean? It, it costs £100, you know what I mean, <laughs> on a fundamental level. Um, so we've just made marriage into being all about the wedding yeah. and all about the cultural sort of process that goes with that. But marriage is about two becoming one. Yeah. So if you're with someone and you think, I want to become one with this person, I want to commit my life to them, surely it's okay for me to have sex with them. I'd say, absolutely, get married. <laughs> and then yeah. you can have sex with them. In the, as a part of committing your whole life to becoming one um, but until you're married uh, I think sometimes we can deceive ourselves a bit and talk the talk but if you really are that committed to someone yeah. there should be no reason you're not getting married yeah. but if there is a reason you're not getting married then, you then you're not that committed to them <laughs> yeah. so, don't trick yourself into thinking yeah, you are yeah. And, yeah, and sometimes they get offended if your friends around you are quite straightforward with you because that can be really helpful. Like I know romantic stuff can bend our heads sometimes yeah. and we can deceive ourselves. But sometimes we need someone from the outside to say, look, if you really love them, then marry them. And if you're not prepared to marry them, then stop taking sex mm -hmm. and sort of stealing that from, from, from its rightful place um, and, and get things in their right order, really. So, yeah. I think the other thing that um, 
we can I think sometimes we have you know you know when people ask um, like how it's classic youth question it's youth group question back to my youth group, yeah how much can I get away with yeah. sort of <laughs> how far can I go um, which maybe we'll do another podcast on some of those discussions but I think it, it essentially has this whole wrong view of relationships and God's goodness yeah, yeah. that actually we're sort of thinking that God is holding out on us yeah, that, yeah. He, that he's trying to keep these amazing things away from us uh, and we sort of want to steal as much as we can get and it is really well it's a, a sort of you know it's a wrong view of who God is yeah, yeah. and I'd want to twist that on the head and say actually if you are in a long-term committed relationship what's the best that God could have for you what's the yeah. ultimate you know what what are the great things that a loving father who who has good boundaries and a good plan for your life what could he have for you which definitely like you say similar reflections to many people who would say actually you know, we crossed that boundary and it was not good for us, you know. Yeah, yeah. So let's stop thinking that we've got to sort of steal these things from a, a miserly God who wants to Doesn't take want from Doesn't want me us. to be happy, yeah. yeah. And think, actually, perhaps, which we believe, he's a loving God who gives yeah. great boundaries for good reasons and for good purpose. But Tim, <laughs> go on. say again in our culture, another thing that would be said, though, is about sexual compatibility. Yeah. Say, like... If I day have sex before this person, before I get married to them, and then I've committed my, my life to them, what if we're just not sexually, like, what if we don't click? What if the chemistry isn't there sexually? Yeah. Have I then condemned myself and them to a life of dysfunctional sexuality? I mean, that's what the magazines would say, wouldn't they? They'd be like, oh, yeah, just keep having sex with people till you found someone that you're, you're compatible with. So. I'm glad you picked that up, really, because I think a lot of this argument comes from a highly sexualized culture that sees sex, and, and um, we talked about this in the singleness one, sex as the critical factor in yeah. any relationship. Yeah. Um, so I think our whole view of sex in marriage and outside of marriage is sort of defined by this culture. But what I probably want to say, and, and this might be a bit glib, so <laughs> I'd probably want to blow out of the water this idea that you are compatible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I heard someone say, you know, marriage is getting two sinners and putting them together and seeing, you know, seeing how it goes, really. Yeah. yeah. So the thought that you could be I, I, I'm not sure if, I, I don't know the biology of it yeah but I know sort of or I have a strong conviction on sort of other areas of marriage and say actually you know it isn't going to be this lovely you know thing that just happens and everything's great on every level sexually yeah. emotionally it's a marriage is a journey of, you know yeah. this whole becoming one being one and I think sex for me, um, having been married for, what, what is it, 12 years now, yeah. me and Liz, without going into personal, you know, are on a journey in yeah. our sex life, yeah. as we are in our emotional life, and as we yeah. are. So, um, you know, I think whether you find out you're sexually compatible, I don't know if you do until you're in old age anyway, you know, <laughs> I think it sort of grows and changes as our bodies change and all of that. So I think, I don't think it's a good argument, really. I think it's quite right. weak. Um, and the idea that you sort of, you know, get into bed on the first night and it's explosion because of, you know, you're perfectly compatible, I think is just a complete, you know, made up thing in our culture, really. And, and if there is any degree of truth in it, then the unfortunate truth that goes with it is you can find yourself sexually incompatible three months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. 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 If there is such a thing, it's yeah. learned rather than yeah, discovered, yeah. right? And that doesn't take away from the fact that we have to be serious about 
you know, our likes, our dislikes, our yeah. personality types and how yeah. we clash, all of that is amazing stuff that we have to work through. And we should definitely consider as we approach marriage. Yeah. Um, do and, I want to have sex with this person? Yeah. Like if you don't, you probably shouldn't marry them. Yes. Yeah. Physical, do I, am yeah. I attracted to this yeah. person? All of those things are important things. So I'm being a bit glib. But the thought, you know, let's, let's put that to bed really and say, actually, you know, I'm not sure we, we could ever be as compatible as we'd want to be. Yeah. But maybe that's part of our journey of change that God will bring in our, our marriage anyway. And for more on that, you can listen to the podcast on sex in marriage. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Are we, and what are we do you want to do? We're, we're over are time. We? We're at 35 minutes. Is there anything we've missed? I guess the only thing probably on our little list of questions that I just want to talk about is maybe what what do we do with that 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 passion that we have? Maybe we're not married, yeah, and we have a passion and a desire for sex. Yeah, and um, we've you know we've learned that that's a good godly thing as yeah. part of what it means to be human. So, or perhaps we're divorced, yeah. single, or we're in a, a relationship that's moving towards marriage. What do we do with that passion? How do how do we? Deal yeah, with that. I think the main thing I'd say is listen to the podcast on singleness with John Brown. Really, say so yeah. John Brown came to preach in the autumn on singleness, but he then did a podcast on single sexuality and singleness, where we really try to address this question of um, if sex is for marriage and I'm single and I have God-given sexual desires, that feels like one of those triangles where the two points mean that the other one's impossible. So we try to address that at length there. So. Yeah. Really, like that's the main thing to do is to listen to that. Um, yeah, I think actually, I, maybe I'm not going to say anything else because yeah, I think yeah, listen to I, that, I would yeah. just add, add bring it to God and bring yeah. it to people, which we yeah. say all the time. But you know, find those relationships, the Christian relationships of loving people who will walk with you and, and support you in that. Um, yeah. But yeah, listen to the podcast. Yeah, your sexual desire is not in the end the king on the throne. Yeah, brilliant. Shall we finish there? We're nearly at the end of the Made for Love podcast. So Fantastic. So, one yeah. to go, I think. So if you haven't listened to the messages uh, or the other podcasts, do that. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon.